0: Bismillah rahman ar-Rahim, rabbil alameen, wa salatu ala rasulihil kareem. Nabiina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. So last session, we began with our study of the hadith, Man kana yu'minu billahi wal Yomil akhir whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him speak a, a word of good or keep silent and whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him honor his guest and whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him honor uh, his uh, then whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him uh, honor his neighbor and whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him honor his guest so Sheikh Abdul Muhsin explanation to this hadith is divided into how many parts yeah how many parts is it divided into three no six it's divided into six parts in the first part what does Sheikh abdul Al say in the first part what is the significance of the Messenger والسلام, mentioning these three matters of, of honouring the guest, of keeping silent, of honouring your neighbour alongside belief in Allah on the last day? What's the significance in the Messenger mentioning these three, three, these three things alongside belief in Allah on the last day? Does anybody remember? Why is belief number one? Why is belief in Allah mentioned alongside these three things? Because Iman in Allah that is the foundation for every single thing that you are commanded to have Iman in. What's the reason behind Yawm al-Akhir being mentioned alongside these three actions of being noble and honorable and generous to your guest and your neighbor and speaking a word of good or keep silent silent what is the significance of the day of judgment being mentioned alongside this ah. because you'll get because the day of judgment is a day of reward isn't it of recompense of being recompensed for your good or for your evil so if the person does these three good things then he'll be rewarded for it on al qiyamah and therefore how relevant it is for Yawm Al Qiyamah to be mentioned alongside these three things to serve as a reminder and as an encouragement and as an incentive for a person to do those three things to be good to their guests, to their neighbors, to speak a word of good or keep silent that was part number one part number two in part number two we made a uh, we quoted some of the statements of the Imams of the past and certain scholars of the past we won't reiterate them, but we mentioned that there are four pillars to good manners. What are those four pillars? to good manners? Number one: protecting your tongue. Number two. N- yeah, well, not being angry is basically it's, it's inclusive of not being driven by your. Impulses, yeah so number one, number one a pillar of being of, 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 of good manners is protecting your tongue number two not being driven by your impulses, number three that was number two number three what else yeah not being uh, not, not to be excessive not to be excessive in your worldly affairs Part and parcel of that is, or that is part and parcel of, leaving off that which doesn't concern you. Number four. What was number four? So number two. Give me three things. Three of the pillars of good manners. Good manners. The pillars that good manners is based upon are four things. Number one. Controlling your tongue. Number two. Not being driven by your impulses. Number three. Leaving that which doesn't concern you. Leaving off those things that you're not meant to have concern for. Number four. Having a clean heart towards others. No suspicions. No jealousy. No hatred and so on and so forth. For the people that. and For your Muslim brothers. So we said that when we were discussing part number two. Part number three was the fact that when the messenger says let the one who believes in Allah in the last day speak a word of khair or keep silent khair can mean what can it mean? it can mean the opposite of opposite of shar which is good or it can mean something else it can mean good what else can it mean? it can be used as a as a superlative yes the best basically the best so let the one who believes in Allah speak a word of good and likewise it means let him speak that which is best or keep silent and then we went on to discuss matters related to honoring the neighbor and that honoring the neighbor and then we mentioned certain categories related to it. That the one that deserves the most right is the neighbor that is a Muslim and a relative. And the second level is... Huh? Neighbor and a Muslim. Or a neighbor and a non-Muslim relative. Okay. And the third one is the one that is your just your neighbor. He's not a relative, neither is he Muslim. He still has a right of being a neighbor. And then we mentioned certain other uh, narrations related to it. From them was the narration of the woman who fasted, superrogatory fasts, prayed, superrogatory prayer, gave in charity, yet the Messenger والصلاة, said she's in a hellfire. Why? because she harmed her neighbor and she harmed the neighbor with her hands. She beat them up. No, she threw things in their way. What did she do? Just the tongue, just the tongue, harm the neighbor with the tongue, backbiting them, slandering them, gossiping about them. Nothing, nothing as high as qadf, nothing that goes to the level of qadf of accusing them of adultery or fornication. Because if that would have been the case, then we would have known about it. Because she would have had the prescribed corporal punishment uh, applied upon her. Backbiting, slandering, gossiping, these type of things she did, which resulted in her being condemned to the fire of hell. Um And we mentioned last week. Eh, we did so last week. We did so, yeah. We did so. We expanded. Expounded upon that point last week. Um, you can mention certain other benefits, <laughs> certain other benefits. So, who can remember what Shaykh Uthaymin said? What did Shaykh Uthaymin say about the ayah? I a an lahma fa Would one of you like to eat the dead body of his brother? indeed you would hate it indeed you would hate it this ayah what does sheikh muhammad bin salih al-u'ithay mean mention about it the number of the ayah is ayah number 12 from surah al-hujarat what does Sheikh say where any sheikh abd rahman al-sahadi mentions some statements yeah. or it's or it's like eating your brother's flesh So why why Sheikh Saadi mentioned three things why it is why uh, backbiting your brother is so repulsive so bad what did Allah mention in this this ayah don't eat Uh, would one of you love to eat the dead body of your brother surely you would hate to do so that ayah there dead body of your brother In it, there are three things that are really, really bad, really really repulsive. One of them is the fact that you're eating the flesh of a human being. Number two, that he is dead as well. Number three, that he is a Muslim, that he is a Muslim. And then Shaykh Uthaymin expounded upon that by saying, do you find anybody that is more repulsive, more disgusting, more vile, then someone who is sitting next to his brother, his brother that is dead, gets a knife, chops pieces out of his dead brother's body, and then eats it bit by bit. Do you know of anybody that is able to do so? Shaykh Huthaymin said, the one that backbites his brother, backbites his Muslim brother, he is, able, he is the one that is able to do so. Tayyab. Likewise, we mentioned certain other benefits that we didn't mention last week concerning this matter of al ghiba of Of backbiting Among them is another statement of Shaykh Huthaymin, he said al ghiba <laughs> min kaba al-dhanub Al-Lati la tu kaffiruha Al-Salah Wala al-Siyam Wala al-Sadaqah Wala al-Haj Wala gairuha min al amal saliha Bel-Tabqa al-Mawazana Bain al-Siyyat wal You commit major sins. A major sin is committed. You have to make Tawbah for that sin. Salah, the Messenger told us, does expiate your sins. Sadaqah does expiate your your sins. But which sins? Your minor sins. Therefore, a person who backbites he has committed a major sin, Shaykh Uthaymin is saying. And that major sin of having spoken about your brother behind his back is not going to be expiated by you just performing salah, by you just performing, uh, 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 or by you just giving a sadaqah. Rather, what you have to do is make tawbah for that sin of having backbit your Muslim brother. That's a statement of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Saleh concerning the great nature of backbiting. What is backbiting? What is the definition of backbiting? What's the definition of backbiting? Me going up to some, somebody else and saying, Do you know uh, Fulan so-and-so that lives on such and such a street? He is a thief. And he has been doing lots of bad things lately. All of those things that I'm now saying, they're all fabrications. They're all lies. Is that what backbiting is? Ah, that's slander. That's something else, that's slander. So what's backbiting then? His brother said in Arabic, you now have to translate it. Yeah. To say about your brother that which he dislikes, in his absence. To say about your brother what he dislikes to be said about him, in his absence. That's the definition that Messenger والسلام, gave to us in the Hadith recorded by Imam Muslim. Even if it is true, if it's the case, we mention the Hadith. We mention the Hadith, and that is the Hadith of the Messenger والسلام, when he said, Mal Do you know what ghiba is? The companions they said, Allah and His Messenger know better. The Messenger said, You mentioning concerning your brother what he dislikes. So it was said, what about if what I say about my brother is actually in him? That is what he has done, that is his characteristic. Meaning, what if it's the case? That this statement that I make about my Muslim brother is true, then what? The messenger then said, "In." If it is the case, that what you said about him is true and it's, it's true, then you've backbitten him. And if that isn't the case, if it's the case that what you've said about him behind his back is not true, it's false, then you've slandered him. Then you have slandered him. Let's take a look at an example of one of the Salaf. Ah. Muslim, Hadith Sahih Muslim, Hadith number 2589. Let's now have a look. no this this is another uh, this is to highlight this narration that we're going to mention now is to highlight how cautious the salaf were about backbiting that there, Abu Dhar insulted Bilal radiallahu ta'ala Anhumah. that was an insult that he did and then he sought forgiveness from him here is a narration from one of the salaf that you've all heard of and how he responded and how he reacted when he realized that perhaps he's fallen into backbiting if one of us said this statement we would not really think anything of it we just think it's just, it's just a normal thing but let's look at how Muhammad ibn sirin rahimahullah ta'ala who was from which tabaqa tabi'een how he reacted when he realized that he said something which could perhaps be backbinding. So he said, وثبت عن جرير بن رحمه الله أنه قال سمعت محمد بن سيرين يحدث رجلًا فقال ما رأيت الرجل الأسود؟ ثم قال أستغفر الله Ma Arani illa qad so muhammad bin sirin this great and noble scholar who sat with the companions of the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam sought knowledge from them this great and noble tabi'i he's he spoke about a certain man he was speaking about a certain man and when he was speaking about him what he said was I haven't seen the black man. I haven't seen the black man. Using using it as an adjective. Anyhow, some of us might say, oh, where's that white brother? Where's that black brother? But he's saying it behind the person's back. And now he fears. He is what? Fearful that perhaps, maybe the brother that I have described with this adjective, perhaps he's not, gonna like it if he hears it perhaps he'll be offended by this statement that I've used a statement that we all use without giving it any thought where's that white brother where's that black brother where's that so-and-so brother Ibn Sirin ta'ala, because of his level of piety and Allah is his reckoner. we don't praise anybody above Allah when he uses this type of phrase where is that black I haven't seen that black brother He's, as soon as he says it he said astaghfirullah i seek forgiveness of Allah i don't see anything except that i have backbitten the man i don't see anything except that i have backbitten the man he saw that he had backbitten the person and immediately he didn't become arrogant immediately in front of everybody he said i seek Allah's Forgiveness. I seek Allah's forgiveness. Forgiveness for what? For having described the person that is absent as being the black brother or the black person. So here is a narration, and we could go on to be honest with you. This would take yani, two lectures in and of itself of backbiting and yani, using the tongue and being cautious about how you use the tongue. So many narrations that are revolving around this topic. Mm. Yes, you can, but he's, he's saying it, uh, or his re- reaction, his response was because he, he, he thought that perhaps he has offended him. Obviously, if you know that so-and-so, you know, he's going to be offended by that particular statement, then, you know, uh, be cautious and be wise about what statement you use. Okay, Allah But the point being is that from his level of taqwa and wara, uh, Ibn Sirin reacted in this manner. That he was cautious, you know, I could have used another term. Or I could have said something else. Or, could have, or I could have just used his name. Everybody, everybody would have known who I'm referring to. If I said, where is so and so and just used his name. And from the level of taqwa and the warad that these people, that these Imams had. That as soon as he mentioned this statement, which is in general, but it's permissible. But as soon as he mentioned it, he became fearful that maybe I've offended him. I could have used a better statement. Perhaps I have fallen into backbiting. Backbiting doesn't mean that you intend to insult backbiting means that you use that you say something about him that he doesn't like Obviously, we know that there are exceptions to this that Imam and know he mentions in Riyadh al that there are exceptions to backbiting from them is for example somebody comes up to you and says I'm gonna do business with so-and-so. What do you think? Is that a good idea? So you say no don't do business with him. Why? Because he is deceptive in his transactions What you're saying about him, would he like it? No, he's not going to like it. But what what you're saying about him, is it true? It's true. So so far, it's fitting into the definition of backbiting. However, it's permissible for you to do so. Why? Because you're warning him from from an evil that he may, or harm that may reach him. The same thing applies to when somebody comes to you seeking marriage. uh, Or seeking advice about marrying somebody. The same thing applies when somebody comes to you about uh, seeking knowledge from someone that you say no don't seek knowledge from him he's not trustworthy in his knowledge don't seek knowledge from him because he's an innovator don't seek knowledge from him because he accompanies the people of innovation and so on and so forth so um, that there we kind of uh, that was just an extra benefit um, that we mentioned there concerning backbiting but what we wanted to focus on was just the general aspect of controlling your tongue because that is what the hadith is saying whoever believes in Allah on the last day let him speak a word of good or keep silent and likewise about being good to your neighbor so let's have a look at a narration that would encourage us to be good to our neighbors we We've already mentioned one last week or last session let's mention another one that is specific to the neighbor specific to not harming your neighbor okay and this is a narration that is recorded in imam al-bukhari's al-adab al-mufrad uh, declared, uh, declared um, by imam al-albani this is the narration of abhi hurayata ta'ala when a man said to the Prophet alayhi indeed I have a neighbor who harms me indeed I have a neighbor who harms me so the Messenger said to this man In Fa akhrij mataaaka tariq The messenger said to the man Go and take your belongings Out into the street Meaning go to your house Get your belongings Take them Go onto the street Put your belongings on the street And there, sit on the street فانطلق فاخرج متاعه فاجتمع الناس عليه فقالوا ما شانك قال لي جار يؤذيني فذكرت للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال انطلق فاخرج متاعك الى الطريق فجعلوا يقولون اللهم لعنه اللهم لعنه اللهم اخزه So now the man he gets his belongings he goes out into the street he puts his belongings in the street people now start to pass by him and they say what's wrong why are you outside here in the street why have you come put your belongings outside here on the street so the man he then says I went to the Prophet told him that I've got a neighbor that is harming me and then the Prophet told me to do this so what did these passers-by start to do they start to curse the neighbor they say Oh Allah curse him Oh Allah disgrace him so now this news reaches the neighbor that is harming him this news reaches the neighbor that is being oppressive and so he comes out and he says to the man in the street Go back to your house because by Allah, I am not going to harm you anymore. He says to him, Take your belongings, go back to your house because by Allah, after this, I'm not going to harm you anymore. Why? Because I've seen the results of me harming you. People are now cursing me. People are now praying to Allah to disgrace me. In Another Variant Narration, The Messenger Alayhi Salatu Was Salaam He Said To The Man The Messenger Says In Another Variant Narration Take Your Belongings Put Them On The Path And Then Whoever Passes By Will Curse Him And Therefore Whoever Passed By Cursed The Bad Neighbor and so the man came to the Prophet alayhi and he said ma laqitu nas what's this harm that I'm receiving from people what are these curses that people are uh, cursing me with so what does the Prophet alayhi say to this neighbor this neighbor that is harming his his neighbor what does he say he says the Prophet said to the neighbor that came to him saying oh prophet of Allah people are now cursing me you've told my neighbor to go out into into the street and then make everybody that passes by him curse me what's all this harm this curse that i'm receiving what does the prophet say he says indeed the curse of allah is on top of their curses they're cursing you and then on top of that is allah's curse upon you so this highlights us and, and then the man anyway the man from and then the man he went to his neighbor and he said, "Enough now. Enough from what you're doing. I'm not going to harm you anymore. I'm not going to harm you anymore." So the point being, ya yeah, ikhwan is this shows to us the severe nature of harming your neighbor, of harming your neighbor to such an extent that Allah's curse could be upon you if you harm your neighbor. Tamam. As far as the matter of speaking good or speaking and saying that which is best, otherwise keeping silent, that is the general rule, that is the base rule, that you keep good, that you, that you stay silent uh, if you don't have anything good to say. Then I posed the question last week was, does that mean now, uh, that it is not allowed for the Muslim to joke for the Muslim to engage in humor the answer is no it is allowed for the Muslim to use that tongue of his in jest in play in banter joking it is permissible rather it is from the sunnah of the Messenger Wa Salaam Base rule keep that tongue locked inside of your mouth because that is what is better for you. However, it is allowed for the tongue to be used in jest and joke and what have you, as long as the jest and the joke isn't lying, it doesn't entail lying. Why? There are two. The reason why a person jokes is going to be for two reasons. Generally speaking, the permissible form is going to be one out of two reasons number one for relaxation to bring about some type of relaxation to yourself person is at a tiring day comes home uh, or he goes and he sees one of his brothers and they engage in some banter to any and to to bring about relaxation to yourself you have a bit of a joke your mind feels a bit at ease, it's, it feels a bit more relaxed that's one reason, just for irtiyah just to bring about relaxation to yourself and to your soul second reason is to idhal surur ala to enter happiness delight upon others meaning to make your, to make somebody else happy now when you do that, when you joke with somebody When you engage in light banter with somebody to make them happy with the intent to make them happy. Now it is not just mubah, not just permitted and allowed. Now it is ibadah, it is an act of worship because you're doing it with a certain intent. You're doing it to make him happy. Brother comes over to you. He's all, you know, down in the dumps. He's had a problem with the missus, for example. So he's there, he's all sitting depressed in front of you. Now you intentionally joke with him with the with the intent to put some happiness in him to uh, lift his spirits as they say or to lighten his spirits as they say now what you've done has become an act of ibadah and we have examples from the Sunnah of the messenger alayhi salatu and from his sahaba as the, and, uh, showing that they would engage in this light banter and this light, yeah any joking. The messenger he was someone that was a smiling person anyhow. Imam al-Bukhari has a chapter in Al Adab al mufrad Bab at tabassum chapter about smiling. In this in this chapter, there is a narration from Jarir ibn Abdullah anhu who said Mundu uh, Aslam he said Ma Rani sallallahu alayhi he said ever since i became a muslim the prophet would never see me except that he'd be smiling in my in my face alayhi likewise a hadith of abdullah bin, uh, abdullah al harif uh, recorded by imam tirmidhi declared by imam al-bani who said i never saw anybody who smiled more than the prophet than the messenger of allah and there are many narrations concerning the virtue of smiling so this was the nature of the prophet a smiling person he would not laugh loud to such an extent that the uh, Laha, the uvula, that piece of flesh that dangles at the back of your mouth would become visible. The messenger wouldn't laugh to such an extent that his mouth would open up and you could see the flesh hanging at the back of his mouth. However, he would engage, uh, would smile. Imam al-Bukhari in the same book Al-Adab al mufrod He has another chapter Baab al-Mizah Chapter of Mizah now Joking Not just smiling now Joking And then he mentions several narrations So we'll mention a few Among them Is the narration Qadhanas ibn Malik Ata al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ala ba'ad bi nisaihi Wa ma'ahunna umu sulayn Faqala ya anjashah ruwaidan sawqaka bil the messenger alayhi comes to some of his women while they are riding uh, upon camels and among them was Ummul Sulaim with them was Anjasha. Anjasha was a cameleer somebody that drives the camels now from the things that the cameliers do is al-hida is al-hida which is the chanting the melodious chanting that the camelier does in order to make the camels go faster So he's doing this hida to make the camels go faster but obviously that could result in the shaking of the camels women maybe yeah Falling off the camel, for example, hurting themselves. So now the Prophet Salam, he tells Anjasha to slow down, but he also says something else. He says, "Yani, go steady with this driving of yours, along with the qawarir, along with the qawarir, yani those uh, glass containers, glass containers." Referring to women like glass containers, meaning they're so fragile that if they fall, they'll smash into little pieces, just like women, they're uh, just like glass wood. Okay? So now Abu Khilaba, one of the sub narrators, he said, Fataqalla man fataqalla man nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Bikalimatin Lawtakalla takallama biha badukum La rubtu muha alayhi Auluhu saw saw ku saw pakabila kaware so the sub narrator is saying, here the Prophet alayhi ended up saying something that you people would end up you know, reprimanding someone for saying that. You'd end up telling somebody off, somebody off if, if they said that. The Prophet alayhi salatu said, he made an expression. That type of expression that if one of you was to have said it, people would end up criticizing you for doing so. Yeah, the Prophet himself is doing so himself. He's referring to women as, fragile, delicate, glass containers. If they were to break, they'd smash into little pieces. Okay. So here is an indication of the Messenger salaam engaging in light, innocent banter, light, innocent jest and joke. Another example. We mentioned two or three short examples. A woman comes to the Messenger, والسلام, an old woman comes to the Messenger, والسلام, and she says, Ya Rasulullah, and yud khilani al jannah. He says, An old woman comes to the Messenger, والسلام, and, he, and she says, Oh, Messenger of Allah, make dua to Allah for me that Allah enters me into paradise. Old woman. So the Prophet of Allah, Messenger of Allah, the one who receives revelation, the one who said, I don't say anything except what is true. When did he say this? When the companion said to the Prophet, "Ya Allah, Oh Prophet of Allah, you jest with us, you play with us, you joke with us. So the Prophet said, indeed I don't say anything that except what is true. Whatever joking that I do, it's all true. So now, to this Prophet of Allah, the best of creation, the finality of the prophets, an old woman comes to him and she says, "O oh, Prophet of Allah, make du'a to Allah that He enters me into paradise." What does the Prophet say? He says, "Ya um, Ya umma fulana, O oh, um so and so, inna al la Khuluha ajuz." He said, Oh um so and so indeed paradise an old woman can't enter into it. Indeed, paradise, an old woman can't end. old women old women can't enter into paradise. So now what does the woman do? She starts to cry, she goes and she starts to cry. So the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. He then says to her, the companions, go to her and tell her that all of the women, when they enter into paradise, they'll all be of equal age. They'll all be, yani, 33 years of age when they enter into paradise. And then he recited the ayah, Inna an in sha'a. that we have made, recreate made them into a new creation. Huh? We have made them into a new creation, the women of paradise, and then that they'll be of equal age. That they will be of equal age. So there's another example of the Messenger joking with an old woman. Another example a man comes to the Messenger. And he wants an animal to ride on. Allahu a'alam so what the context of this request was, was it in order to engage in a battle? And therefore he needed an animal, or uh, he wanted a, an animal to use to ride upon to engage in battle. Allahu a'lamu what the context was, but the point is a man came to the Messenger alayhi salatu saying that he wants an animal to ride upon seeking an animal to to ride upon so what does the messenger alayhi say he says Ana hamiluka ala i'm gonna give you the child of a she camel to ride upon i'm gonna give you the wallet the offspring of a she camel to ride upon basically that's what i've got for you do you want a riding beast do you want a, a camel I, I can't give you i can't يعani, he's saying to him I can only give you the offspring of a she camel to ride upon. So the man says, Ya Rasulullah, O oh, Messenger of Allah, what am I going to do with the walad of a she camel? With the offspring of a she camel. So the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he says, Wahhal ibala illa The Messenger says, Are camels giving birth to anything? other than she camels just because I'm gonna give you the child of a she camel doesn't mean that that child is a little baby is a small thing I'm in my 30s but I'm still a child of my mother aren't I huh some of us might be 60 you you're still a child of your father aren't you so the messenger he alayhi salatu he said this to this person which would which would make a person think The imagery of that type of sentence (laughs) makes a person imagine a small little animal. But the wording itself is not a lie. The messenger saying to him, I'm going to give you the she, the child of a she camel. Obviously, any camel, whatever its age is, is being given birth to by a she camel. Okay? And therefore, uh, this is another example of the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam engaging in light banter with his companions and then we'll uh, conclude this particular uh, sunnah with the implementation of this sunnah um, by the companions Allah Taala the companions obviously it's a sunnah to engage in joke in banter in play with your with your friends and therefore the companions they would implement this sunnah what did they do how did the companions implement this sunnah? Let's have a look at one little example. <coughs> and that is the narration of Bakr ibn Abdullah. <laughs> the companions of the Messenger, alayhi salatu those companions that believed in him those companions that made hijrah with him those companions that Received him as the Ansar in al Madina, those companions that fought alongside him those companions They used to Throw Watermelon at each other. They would throw Watermelon at each other now Does this mean that they would get a big bittik? Especially the ones that you find outside of the masajid in the Arab lands. You come out to the masjid and mashallah, big bittik there. Not those small ones that you get from Morrisons. Not those big, you know, organic ones. Does it mean that the companions would get those, you know, those watermelons and then throw that, you know, launch, that big massive watermelon at the head of my brother? No. Meaning the skin of the watermelon. Big, massive watermelon. You throw that at my little head. You send me to the A and d But the small, the skin of the watermelon, which isn't fruit anymore, it's not food anymore. You're going to throw it in there? Bin, aren't you? When when you're done with with, with the watermelon, you're going to throw the skin away. So that skin, those pieces of skin, they would throw it at each other, playing with each other. But when it came, what what rijal. when it came to the serious matters, then they were men. Then they were. Men in that regard, but amongst themselves they would joke. So that there is an example of how the companions of Allah would engage in this light banter, light joking, playing, and joking around with each other. Implementing the Sunnah of the Messenger ﷺ, and therefore we can clearly see: a person should speak what is good, say that which is best; otherwise, keep silent. This does not mean, however, that you're not allowed. Time to time, not all the time, time to time, engage in light banter with your brothers, brothers to brothers, and Muslim sisters to Muslim sisters. Tayyab Ikhwan, we shall conclude at this point, and then Inshallah Ta'ala. Bakr uh, ibn Abdullah. So Namima is going gossiping, going around and tail-carrying, going around and saying to so-and-so, by the way, do you know so-and-so, this is what he has been saying about you. Okay, that's Namima. Yeah, even if it's true, it's, it's Namima. he's taking the kalam or the speech of others and then, he then takes that speech and he transmits it to somebody else. That's worse than riba. Namima, yeah, it's worse than riba. Because what you're doing by way of that riba, you're, you're not just insulting somebody and, you know, uh, making them feel bad. You're causing corruption upon the land now. Because you, you, that could result in brotherhood being split up. You're not just insulting somebody, not just insulting one person. You're causing brotherly ties to be split up. And this could cause corruption upon the land. What's that? What is upon us if somebody makes ghibah, what's another thing to advise him? Yes. Or to bring your other brother and say, what happens to him? Shaykh Huthamin, he mentions about uh, the one who makes ghibah. How does he make tawbah for it? So he should go to the person and seek forgiveness from him however if it's the case that he knows that if he goes to him and he says to him brother i've been saying this about you i've been backbiting about you it's going to cause greater fitna than what he should do seek forgiveness for it no doubt and mention his good qualities among the people that he backbits that person in the first place okay so therefore uh, with that being the case you have to look at the situation if i tell if I make this brother go over to so-and-so make him apologize and then he's gonna take out a bat and a big fight is gonna occur imagine you have got two relatives cousins for example they've got problems with each other and then you say you know what go over to him and say that you have been backbiting him right now there is a lot of beef between them he's angry anyhow when he goes to his house knocks on his door he opens his door when he opens his, the door the, the recipient of the backbiting opens the door and he's already angry and then his cousin says to him oh by the way brother I've been backbiting you I've been saying this about you did it who knows what could happen you could end up hitting him and you know harming him so you have to you know look at the situation but generally Sheikh with he says yes you go to the person you seek forgiveness from him so will conclude with that and then inshallah Ta'ala will continue after Ramadan Inshallah, after Ramadan inshallah خلاص من الله وصلى الله على نبينا محمد والحمد لله رب العالمين